Uh, I had a friend from mine from Kentucky text me this morning. He uh, asked me what, he was, what I was preaching, and he sent me his Thanksgiving outline, and I said, I'm preaching the wrath of God. <laughs> so uh, I want you to leave here today with, with mixed emotions, uh, with a mixture of emotions, okay? And, and let me explain that. And so best illustration I can have, really, I'm going to go back to college football a little bit. Um, so believe it or not, this is my shirt. Y'all act like I got saved. <laughs> All right. But this is my shirt, okay? And, and I'll be honest. Let me tell you why I bought it, okay? I bought it several years ago. One of our founding members, one of our elders, Mike Harrelson, passed away. And he wanted, before he passed away, he wanted all the pastors that spoke at his funeral to wear a Georgia shirt, okay? And maybe that was his having fun with me. I, I, I don't know. But I gladly wore it. And I'll be honest with you, I've worn it a few other times. As a matter of fact, my wife surprised me with a birthday party years ago, and I happened to be wearing this shirt, and I walked into the room, and I think more people were surprised I was wearing this shirt than I was that they had surprised me with a birthday party. Now, the truth is, I like Georgia. I, I like Georgia. My, you know my team's Clemson. That's, that's my, my team, all right? But I, I like Georgia. My, I have two older sons that uh, I... That, if there's a Georgia game or a Clemson game on, we're watching the Georgia game. I, I get outvoted. Now, they've married and moved on, but I probably have watched more Georgia games in the last 15 years than I have Clemson games. But let's back up to the beginning of the season when Georgia played Clemson. I went into that game with mixed emotions. I mean, I, I knew that e any team, either team could win that game. I knew that. Y'all, for you severe Georgia fans, I'm going to lay this on the floor. It's okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I knew that. But I'll be honest with you. If, if Clemson had to lose, I wanted it to be to Georgia. Now, you've seen games before where somebody had to lose, and, and the teams played their heart out, and, and it was, you thought, man, you hate that either team had to lose. If you've ever watched the Dixie Boys Youth uh, World Series... Oh, what a heartbreaking game. The last game, the final game when one of the team wins, you got kids that are, that are jumping up and down and high-fiving and, and hugging, and then you got boys that just, man, it's over with that last pitch or the last hit, the last catch, last out, whatever it was, man, and they're bawling. You hate to watch it because you know one team's going to win and one team's going to lose. There's a mixture of emotions. So as we talk about the wrath of God today, I, I want you to leave here. I want you to leave here. If you're a believer in Jesus or if you come to faith in Jesus today, I, I want you to be elated. I, I, I mean, I, I want you to be so excited because you have, been, you have been forgiven and you don't have to worry about the wrath of God. That, that is not in your future. But I also want you to leave with a holy sadness. Because we all know somebody that will face the wrath of God. And these chapters we're going to look at today, man, they, they are brutal. Man, they, they're brutal. And what you're also going to see, man, God goes to the extreme. And trying to save those from the wrath. 
Now, you're thinking, why, why is there wrath of God? Man, wrath is, is part of love. If you're a parent, you understand what I'm talking about. If you let somebody hurt your child, you let somebody talk about hurting your child, or if somebody has hurt your child, you can't tell me, man, that you, did, you thought, man, I'm going to come unglued. Or, or a husband. Man, let somebody hurt your wife or, or, or say something to your wife. Man, you know, man, that that wrath, that love can spur wrath. So wrath is a part of love, but it's so important that we as believers understand this. As believers, we, we won't face the wrath of God. And if we understand God's wrath properly, we understand that we're, we're rescued out from underneath it and and so, again, I, I want you to leave here today re- rejoicing, I, especially this Thanksgiving uh, Sunday. I want you to leave here just so grateful for what God has done in Jesus Christ. Now, last week we saw where Christ took the wrath of God for all those who would believe. And, and, and he set up this, this image of, uh, of Christ, like the, the vine being drugged to the, out of the city to where Christ was crucified. And it was all imagery. And we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But he talked about, man, it was such a, and again, it's just imagery. But in there, he said, man, the blood was so high that it reached the saddle of a horse and it went out 180 miles in every direction. Say, man, there's, there was a lot of blood that, that was shed. But that imagery is to say there was so much blood that there's enough for everyone who believes. That, 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 that blood that we just talked about in, in communion for the forgiveness of sin, man, there's enough blood to cover everybody's sin who chooses to trust in Jesus. Even enough for you. If that's you today, if you're wondering, can Jesus forgive you? Yes. It's a definite yes, not, not a mm, I hope so. No, it is yes. Just as much as Georgia beat Clemson. It was yes. Yes. So, but also, again, want you to leave here heartbroken. We have names of people. And, and if you've not stepped in front of this cross, if you're a guest with us today, this, this cross here, uh, months ago we wrote down the names of people we want to see get saved. And you may not know these names. I'm going to tell you, a couple of weeks ago I found myself uh, just over here one, one day during the week. Man, I was just overcome by, by the names of people on the cross. And some of the handwriting I couldn't even read. And that really didn't matter. But it meant something to somebody. It meant something to one of y'all. And so like last week and this week, you're going to see what those who have not trusted in Jesus are going to face. So, these people are people that you know that you've not written their names down. People maybe you were with this past Thursday. They don't trust in Jesus. They lose forever. I mean, there's not like a, a little bit of time. No, it's an e- like we talked about last week. It's an eternal suffering, and so they lose forever. And if you're an unbeliever today, 
What I hope is this. That you hear an invitation and you see the act of a mighty God, a loving God. Yes, one who is wrath, but also one who is loving, who wants to help you escape that wrath. Now, we're not going to be able to understand this if we don't go back, uh, uh, you know, to the very beginning and, and, and go over some of our rules. First of all, again, I know some of, some of you, this frustrates me about Revelation. It's not a story that begins, you know, in the beginning and ends in the end. It's, it's just John. It's like he's not telling a linear story. He's, he's looking through windows, and at one point he sees this, another point he sees this, but then he goes back in time, and he, he talks about this, and it's just doggone frustrating, right? Just for me, okay. But I, I need a nice linear story, but I, you have to remember it's not that way. And then there's a lot of imagery in here, and, and that's meant to hook us, okay? It's not meant to confuse us. We don't write like this a lot now, but it's meant to really hook us and, and awaken our senses and, and, and call us to action. So John wants us to feel something as much as he wants us to know something. And Satan is not an actual dragon. He, he is a being, but he's portrayed as a dragon so that it'll, again, awaken us and cause us to fight, to cause us to resist, cause us to even rescue, help rescue others. And the two beasts that we talked about, they're not two beasts, but they're the demonically informed state and a demonically informed false religion and institutions that preach false doctrine. And you can tell when you've come across somebody that preaches false doctrine because they're going to say there's many ways to the Father or they're going to deny that Jesus came in bodily form and they're going to deny that he's the Christ. And the two beasts want us to trust in, in governments. They want us to trust in, in worldly governments. They want us to trust in the United States government. And they want us to trust that a, a president or a leader could save us. They're not really beasts. But if we see that, these two institutions, then we're going to resist and we're going to fight. And that imagery helps us to see what is true. And so now, as Tracy read, are there really angels with bowls of wrath? Or are we to see that God is about to pour out his wrath on the ungodly? And also, revelation cannot mean for us what it did not mean to the original hearers. Is my microphone going in and out? All right, good. So what we have to do is we have to remember that this re the book of Revelation was written to the seven churches. And it cannot mean for us what it, what it did not mean for them. Now, the application may be different here in 2021 than it was when it was originally written, but the truth is the same. Truth is truth, okay? And then one last thing, you go, Scott, you got a lot of things to say before we get to the message. Yeah, I do. One last thing I have to say is that John uses this thing called recapitulation, and that's a big word, but really you see it in movies all the time, Lord of the Rings. Um, you think the story's over, then one more thing happens, and, and the story continues. And then you think it's over, and, and one more thing happens, and the story continues. Did I just go out again? All right, we're just going to have to suck it up. <laughs> we're just going to have to, to make this happen, okay? All right, so into the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls. It's like the story is over and God wins. 
In chapter 8, the seventh seal is, is finally open. It sounds like the story's over. In chapter 11 of uh, 15, you got the seventh trumpet, and it sounds like the story's over. Then in, in chapter 16, verse 17, it's the seventh bowl, and it sounds like the story is over. And what it is, is it's, it's repeating it from, from different perspectives. But when the Bible repeats itself, it's like God is saying, hey, pay attention to this. Don't, I mean, one time, yes. But man, pay attention to this. And so it does re repeat itself. Now, what's, it, what's interesting is this. You're going, didn't we just cover this? Because the trumpet and the bowls, I mean, they're nearly identical. Trumpet one, it affects the earth. Bowl one affects the earth. Trumpet two, it affects the seas. Bowl two, it affects the seas. Trumpet three, the rivers. Bowl three, the rivers. Trumpet four, the sun. Bowl four, the sun. Trumpet five, the pit of evil. Bowl five, it's the throne of evil. Trumpet six, the Euphrates River. Uh, bowl six, the Euphrates. The imagery is nearly the same. We're meant to hear this over and over, but from different perspectives. Seven seals. On the screen here, it says seven seals are the story of redemption, humankind rebelling against God, and God pursuing and calling man back into a right relationship. Man, that's the perspective of the suffering. I'm just going to keep going. Perspective of the, of, the, of the martyrs. So you got that perspective. Well, then there's a whole other perspective. Okay? There's Chris's perspective. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. I feel like I'm supposed to dial it up a notch or two now. They got a handheld mic. <laughs> So you got, you got the perspective of the, of the suffering preacher. I mean, sorry, the suffering church, all right? Now you got this other perspective. So the seven trumpets, here's a whole other perspective. But listen to what it says. It's a story of redemption. Sounds just like this, the, the, the previous one. Humankind rebelling against God and God pursuing and calling man back into a right relationship. Here's a, here's a perspective of sinful men and women who have no intention on, repent, on repenting. And now you got today, you got the seven bowls of the story of redemption of, of humankind, again, rebelling against God and God pursuing and calling man back into a right relationship. But this perspective is coming from the throne of Jesus. This perspective is coming from the tent. And understand this there's going to be a suffering. Unlike anything this world has ever seen. This is not on the screen, but in Matthew 24, 21, it says, For then there will be great distress. Jesus is talking about the end of time. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. In Revelation 16, he speaks of suffering. Now, is this imagery or, is there, or whatever? But all I know is it's this major survey. He talks about malignant sores that will be on people who have the mark of the beast, the, the mark of mankind, those who are not sealed by the Holy Spirit, those who are not saved. 
Just everything in the seas and rivers will die. It'll be people suffering like, unlike anything that's ever happened before. Those who refuse to repent are yelling against God. So know that the wrath of God is real. And this is hard to understand, but the wrath of God is also just. Now this is taking place in the sanctuary. This is taking place uh, in, in the language as a tent of meeting. This comes right out of number, Numbers 1. Chapter 1 is an exact phrase. This is a place where the presence and the moral law of God exists. Here's the perspective. It's coming from the holiness of God. The, 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 the uh, presence of God. And the moral commands of God, which are to lead to human flourishing rather than than destruction. God's Word is to to lead to to us flourishing in Christ, not not destruction. And then the reason this wrath is so strong is because we think we're better gods than God. Oh, I I would have done things differently. Here's what Romans 1.18 says. For the wrath of God, we suppress the truth. God has made himself known, and man has said, no thank you. And so when you and I blow it, man, we feel bad. And we suppress that feeling with with stuff like drugs and porn and alcohol, shopping, Netflix, whatever it may be. We suppress it. We suppress the truth so that we can feel better about our sin. Now, we said this last week, and we're going to say it again this week. No one is under the wrath of God but those who choose to be. Now, it sounds like such a hard statement, but when you see what Jesus has done in John 3.16, most of us know John 3.16, but listen to 17 and then verse 19. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Like God sent His Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, will will, will escape that wrath. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world People loved the darkness more than the light. And the reason being is because their actions were evil. When God comes to give us His Son, to give us this gift of redemption, this gift of forgiveness, this gift to be able to be in a right relationship with God, I did this for a season, and maybe some are doing this now, We choose darkness instead of light. T.F. Torrance said this, The wrath which the angels are about to pour upon the earth is pure in its sinless wrath, priestly in its function, golden in its integrity, no bestial passion, no spite, no hate, no anger of sin at all in it. The wrath of God, the holiness of God is just and destroying anything that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. 
also, the wrath of God will eventually be finished forever. Now, God, we know this is love. John wrote this in, in 1 John. God is love. Hey, that is forever. That will never change. But his wrath has an expiration date. And I'm hoping today that the expiration date is for some of you. He writes, Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. And then in chapter 16, verse 17, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple, saying, It is finished. Man, doesn't that sound familiar? Man, it is finished. Remember when Jesus is on the cross? And right before, he, he gave up his spirit. They gave him some, a mixture of vinegar and, as a, to taste. And, and when Jesus had tasted, he said, it is finished. And Jesus bowed his head and, and gave up his spirit. John wants us to hear that echo. John wants us to hear that Jesus' last day as, as a human, fully Son of God, fully man, He ends the wrath of God by absorbing it all till it's finished. And so most of us in this room, we, we live under the grace and, and mercy and, and love of God. Instead of living under the perceived wrath of God. But I think it's important sometimes we confuse the wrath of God with the, with the discipline of God. When, when something bad happens to you or something doesn't go your way or, or, or whatever it may be. Sometimes we feel like that's the wrath of God. That is not the wrath of God. He, he, that's a loving father just disciplining his, his children. And that is not wrath. Here's what 1 Thessalonians says. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when He returns, we can live with Him forever. So we encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. So if you see a brother or a sister in Christ going through a hard time, hey, encourage them. Hey, that is not God's wrath. That, that is God's love. And He is growing you. The wrath of God is not intended for you. Not the believer. Not the one who's already trusted in Jesus. See, for God chose to save us through Jesus Christ. So here's the invitation. Stop suppressing the truth. Stop living under the fear and and wrath of God. I'm hoping today that for some of you, this, this will be the, the expiration date, so to speak, runs out on you because you choose to settle it. And you choose to trust in Jesus for the, for the forgiveness of sin. Man, you choose to trust in Jesus to put you in a right relationship with God where you'll know Him as Father not as avenger. So if you're a Christian today and you've already chosen Christ, hey, rejoice 
that you're not under that. But yet maybe, maybe you've fallen into patterns of sin. Maybe you've fallen out of disciplines that remind you of who you are, being in His Word, maybe serving in the church, serving your brothers and sisters in Christ, reaching out to those who are lost. So maybe there is some repentance that needs to happen there. But again, you can leave here, Christian, elated, knowing that that you've won, knowing that you, you don't have to face this wrath of God. But also sad for those that you know that will. And what if you've not chosen? For those of you, man, whatever reason, I've been where you are and I wrestled with, with, with trusting Jesus Christ. I wrestled with it long and hard for, for years. And it's my prayer today that you'll just say, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you to, to forgive me of my sins. I trust in you to, to escape me the, the wrath of God. I trust in you to make me right with God. And so my word to you is stop running. And just stop running. And stop covering up sin with stuff. Now, sometimes I'll, I'll talk to people and they don't know which camp they're in. They don't know where, where they land. They're just not sure. And so I, I want to say this. I want to ask you this question. Are you afraid? Are you afraid? John, who wrote Revelation, also wrote 1 John. He said this in verse 418. He says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And if, if we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced His perfect love. So if you're afraid today, here's the truth. It could be a knowledge thing. Maybe you just didn't know. But now you do, so you should be elated for what Jesus has done. But if you're still afraid... It means you've not experienced this perfect love yet. And listen, my prayer today is this. That everyone in this room will experience this perfect love. Because it's for everybody. You you, want to talk about someone that would be elated. Man, God would be elated if everybody turned to Him. And so I told you to hold on to your, your connect cards. And so I want to do something different. In just a moment, we're going to sing Run to the Father. And I'm going to invite you to stand. But I want you to listen to those words. But also, I want you to take that connect card. And, I, and if you're saved, 
Man, you know, I just want you to put an S on the Connect card. You can, you can make it look like a Superman S. You can make it look like your S. It doesn't matter. Just put an S on the Connect card because you know without a doubt that you're saved. But maybe today, some of you are choosing Jesus. You're choosing to trust in Jesus. And I'm going to tell you who's greater than Superman, and that's Jesus Christ. And what I want you to do, I just want you to put a J on the card. Just put a J on the card that you're trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You're trusting in Jesus to escape the wrath. And you're trusting in Jesus so that you'll know the love of the Father. So once you stand. Father God, I want to thank you. Lord, we have read about your wrath here on a crazy Thanksgiving Sunday. We've, we've talked about the wrath of God. But Father, how can we not be thankful when we see the extent that you have gone so that no one would have to experience it? And so, Father, my prayer this morning is this. I do pray, Lord, for those who are going to mark an S on their Connect card. God, I pray, Lord, they would be elated and grateful. But at the same time, a little sad for those who haven't yet. And they would pray for them. And Father, for those, Lord, who are ready to, to cross the line, Father, for those who are ready to trust in Jesus, God, Lord, I do pray they just put a J there. And as they do it, they say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you for the forgiveness of my sins. And Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're, we're going to sing this.